Well, you guys are going to have to um, bear with me today because um, I'm getting over something. It's one of those deals where, you know, you cough and you feel like your lungs are about to come out of your... Yeah, that's gross. Sorry. Uh, anyway, so if I go on some kind of coughing spree, just uh, bear with me. Uh, but uh, I've got a cough drop in my mouth. Normally, I don't do that. So anyway, y'all been watching the Olympics? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Our South Korean people are back there. Real excited about their gold and silver medals. <clears throat> I told them, I said, you know, the finals, they were pretty clean. But to get to the finals, some of the things that they were doing is a little dirty. You know, I mean, it's pushing and shoving. They let it go. Okay, fine. I am impressed by Sean White. I mean, I've always been impressed by Sean White. Um, basically because he's got the longest, reddest hair I've ever seen in my life. Um, other than Tiffany Byron. Um, and, uh, but, but did y'all see his, his snowboarding deal? The guy was up in the lights. I mean, he, I mean, he just, you know, he just keeps going. They play that commercial, that AT&T commercial where the girl just goes into outer space. You know, I mean, I'm, good grief, Sean White is unreal, and he's pulling the double mix and all this other stuff. You know, I sound cool, but I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and, and it just blows my mind what these guys can do. I mean, but I, I, you know, you look up their training uh, regimen and what they do and, and how they do it and all this stuff, and it is unbelievable. Of course, Sean White, he's got a little bit of an advantage. Red Bull, one of his sponsors, built him a, uh, a half pipe, a full-size half pipe in the side of a mountain, some secret location, all right? I mean, uh, you know, when you got your own half pipe, you better win and you better get up in the lights, right? Um, and and it, just, it just blows my mind but it, how much they practice and, and how much they put into it. <clears throat> Sean White, what was it, at the Worlds or something, uh, World Championships, he slammed his head on the edge. You know, I saw the replay of that. I mean, if you, if you watch it, I mean, they just show it over and over again. He slams his head on the edge, but then instead of, you know, oh, I'm done for the day, you know, he gets back up, he tries that same jump again, lands it. That doesn't happen unless you are completely dedicated to your sport. I mean, you have given yourself completely over to your sport. Um, I have a confession to make, and I, I, don't, I am not proud of this at all, but um, I've been watching the men's figure skating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting encouragement from the crowd. It's cool. It's okay. It's okay. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's out there, but I'm not, I'm not down with the outfit, so I'm not going to buy a sequin shirt or anything. But the, the stuff that they do and the time that they put in, like they were talking about the, the winner, Lysacek, our, our American guy, and how he puts in so much time, you know. But then there's the Russian guy, right? Evgeny Plushenko. What a bitter little man that he was, right? Um, he, he put in, he came back off of retirement, right? After three and a half years, he's been working out for, what, a year, six months, something like that. And he's bitter because he got the silver medal. I'm like, dude, you need to shut your trap and move on, you know, is what I'm thinking. I'm just telling you, I'm being honest. Now, here's what I do like about him. I love the haircut. <clears throat> he's got the business casual Friday in the front. And the full party going on in the back, I don't know if y'all have noticed, but I haven't cut my hair in a long time, and this is what I'm going for, okay? 
I mean, people are going to start showing up to this church simply to see my hair, okay? This is, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I may be kidding. I'm not kidding until Lee finds out about what I'm doing. Um, so, so here's the deal. These guys practice and practice and practice, and they give themselves over to their sport completely. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about, we've been in this series uh, dealing with holiness. We talked about devotion, and I asked you, Three simple questions. I said, um, you know, you're, I, I made three simple statements and one, two simple statements and one question. Uh, my head's in a fog. Um, what, question one was, you know, you, most of us know that we need Christ. Most of us know that we need Christ. Most of us really would like to have Christ more. But the question that I posed to you was, do you want? Jesus? Do you want Christ? Today, we're going to talk about something a little similar because with devotion to Christ, out of that devotion that you have in your heart, becomes, it comes obedience. And it's that reactionary obedience. You know, when you have something that comes out out of devotion to Christ, you are, you are instantly reacting for Christ and not for the world. You are... You are on point with God, if you will. Today we're going to talk about consecration. Consecration. And consecration is a little bit different because while, uh, while, while the, the devotion is an attitude of the heart in that we follow Christ, consecration is a little different. It's, it's planned obedience. And this is your first point. Uh, if you have a pen, if not, uh, we can probably grab some for you in the back. If you need a pen, uh, raise your hand. Anybody need a pen? All right. So here's the deal. Here's your first point. Consecration is this. It's setting a path to be obedient. It's being purposeful in your plan for obedience to God. This is different from that spontaneous action that, that when something comes in front of you, you're going to be obedient to God. This is setting a path, a clear path for you to be obedient. Everybody with me so far? Is it hot in here? Everybody good? It's hot? Maybe we can turn down the air. Somebody want to do that? David, you were the man. Hey, can you turn the air down just a little bit? Thanks, sir. It may be on heat. If you, you might have to turn it on to AC. Woo, we could be in trouble. All right, so here's the deal. You are setting a, a path for your life to consecrate yourself, to set yourself apart for God, okay? Turn in your Bibles, if you have a, a Bible, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to camp here, we're going to look at some other verses, but this is the verse we'll continue to come back to over and over again. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, it'll be up on the screen too if you uh, forgot a Bible. Chapter 12, verse uh, 1. This is Paul, he's talking to a group of Christians in Rome, and he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, we see here that there are two types 
of sacrifice or consecration. One is the body. The other is the mind. Today we're going to talk about the body. Next week we're going to talk about the mind. Because they're both hard. You know, they're both hard. To, to, to give yourself and put yourself on a path where you say, God, I'm following you and you alone. It's hard to do that physically a lot of times. It's hard to do that, it's really hard to do that with your mind. But Paul's very clear. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we're going to talk about the body today. Your next point here is that consecration is an ongoing process. Consecration is an ongoing process. You must constantly challenge yourself to dig deeper. You must constantly challenge yourself to go further in your walk with with Christ. Because if you're not, remember I've said this before, you're either going up and you're growing in your relationship with Christ or you're going down. Okay, there's no plateau. You know, people, you hear people say, oh, I'm kind of in a rut. No, 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 you're, you're dropping off, off the, the map here. There's not a plateau. There's not a rut. And so you need to change things up. You need to figure out what it is that you need to do to get with God. Um, Romans chapter 6, verse uh, 13. It says, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. As those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. See, we got two choices. We got, we got two ways we can go with our bodies. We can, we can do whatever we want and wander down the path of sin. Or we can say, God, my body is yours. And I want you to do with it whatever you please. And, and, and keep in mind, I'm not talking about just, like, sexual sin here, okay? This goes way beyond that, okay? That's part of it, but it goes, it goes beyond that. Uh, that book that I've pointed out to you guys several times by Clyde Cranford called uh, Because We Love Him, Clyde, Clyde says, it's a very simple statement. Uh, he says, we must continually set ourselves apart from sin and unto God. It's a simple statement, but how hard is that, right? I'm going to challenge you guys here. With, with a few scenarios. Some of you are going to find uh, that's no problem. And then we're going we're gonna to get, get deeper because this actually gets a lot harder than you think. Because here's the deal. With God, we want to follow him. And for most of us that are Christians, we, we really want to follow him. But for many of us, we, and may, probably all of us, we have a line in our head, don't we? See the line in front of you? We've got a line in our head. We say, God, I'm going to follow you up to this point, but, you know, if I cross that line, it's just a little weird and uncomfortable. And, and, and God, that's, there's some stuff that I don't know how to deal with. I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah. No, 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 no. You know what I'm saying? For instance, as a pastor, I've never had anyone speak in tongues in my churches. I know it's a spiritual gift, though. It's very clear in 2 Corinthians. I also know that uh, if someone does speak in tongues, there will be someone who will interpret it. And so, if someone does speak in tongues in my church, here's going to be my reaction. 
Now, here's the deal. If it happens here, y'all can't have the same reaction as me because I'm just going to feed off of that, and then I'm just going to say, you need to go, dude, all right? This is weird because that would be wrong. I would be freaked out on the inside. But that's a point to where I'm going to have to say, God, this is where i got to cross the line. And I feel so weird and uncomfortable because it's never happened. But I know the purpose that you say in your word when you say someone does speak in tongues, that it is for the edification, it is for the encouragement of the body of believers. Paul says, I'd rather have a thousand people speaking normal, plain English, well, not English, plain language, than I would one person speaking in tongues that nobody understands. And so we need to understand that we all have a line. And your line may not have anything to do with spiritual things, you know, or church things, let's put it that way. Your line may be something totally different. But what are some of the things that are on the other side of your line? What are the things that are over here? By the way, don't, don't leave these pieces of tape laying on the ground when you leave, if you don't mind. I don't want to pick them all up. Um, what are some of those things? Now, y'all remember when we talked about positional and practical holiness a while back? We talked about positional holiness being how God views us, how God sees us. God sees us as holy, completely sinless, completely blameless. And we know that we're not, and he knows that we're not, but he sees us as that because of Christ. Because he has died for us and taken those sins away. Then we talked about practical holiness. Y'all remember this? A few weeks back. Practical holiness is very important because practical holiness is our part in the holiness process. And here's your next point. Consecration is a primary responsibility. I, I'm, I'm still working through the whole holiness thing. I'm, I'm working through it just like you guys are. Um, and and I see, I've, I've noticed that it is a primary responsibility in our part of the practical holiness process. I, 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 there may be some others that are up there. I mean, devotion, I think, is up there with it. Um, but consecration is so important to our practical holiness. Because if we're going to truly walk with God, we have to step out and say, God, this is the plan that I have. And, and you can change it. You can do whatever you want with it. But here's, here's my plan. It needs to be purposeful. It needs to be planned obedience. And here's the deal. It stands out when you do this. Does anybody know any nuns? I'm the only one, seriously? All right. Curtis. I've got a friend, well, no, she's not a, a great friend because, you know, you can't go hang out with nuns. Um, um, that sounds bad. Anyway, um, she's, she is the sister of uh, one of the girls that watches the kids downstairs. And um, she came home uh, one weekend, and we went to go see her, hang out with her, and she has a heart of gold. I mean, incredible. And her heart... Is just on fire for God. And she has consecrated herself entirely to Christ. Now, we don't have to go to those extremes to stand out. You don't have to say, I've got to be a nun to stand out. You don't have, and, and, and 
by the way, most nuns are called to be single, okay? If you're, if you're not called to be single, then chances are you're not going to be a very good nun, okay? You've seen the sound of music, right? Okay? Um, doesn't work out. <laughs> doesn't work out. Um, you don't have to go to those extremes. Just being a light in the world, just being the Christian in your workplace or the Christian in your class or the Christian in your school, I mean, you're beaming. Because people know who you are if you're truly walking with Christ. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. You hear that so often, right? Uh, But it takes a plan of consecration. It takes a plan of action for you to be in the world, but not of the world. It takes you saying, you're not going to place your physical body in these certain situations, such as... The club, right? I mean, what goes on at the club? Nothing godly, right? Just bumping and grinding, all right? There's no reason. And and, and you're like, well, I don't ever go to the club, right? But some of you may be tempted to go to the club. But there's nothing good that goes there. There's not. Okay, don't struggle with the club. I understand. What about when you're alone with the window shades down, late at night with your honey? And the obedience to Christ is kind of wearing off. You know what I'm saying? That's a tough time. I struggled with that when I was dating Leave. I had to walk out. And she kicked me out, you know. I made her kick me out. That was the boundary that we set, you know. I found her too hot to handle. I took off, right? You need to do that too. We talked about that last week. By the way, I got all that stuff up online, all the latest messages what about, uh, what about this one? Um, putting yourself in a group of people that's going to influence you away from Christ. That's not to say you shouldn't be hanging out and influencing those who don't have a relationship with Christ, but placing yourself in a group of people because you think they're cool or fun or exciting or whatever, and, and, and you just want to roll with them, but they are pulling you away from Christ. Those are bad situations to be in. These are bad environments for you. You don't want to be here. Laura went to Atlanta one time, and um, she got herself into a bit of... Laura, why don't you come up here and and share this story? So my wife tells me I exaggerate too much sometimes, and so uh, you you share this story uh, with them. Stand right there. You can turn her down a little bit. Hi, I'm Laura. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi, Laura. Really, do I stand right here? I mean, you got you can't make you okay. probably stand up here. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay. Um, So when I was in college a couple of years ago, we were driving, me and a couple of my friends were driving home um, to New Orleans, actually to come to Mardi Gras for the first time for my friends. 
And we like left after classes like really late at night and we were driving through the night and we were going to arrive in New Orleans like really early in the morning. And so we had just passed through Atlanta and for some reason didn't check our gas while we were going through Atlanta. We realized we were like on E, you know, like the type where it's like lower than E and you're like, really? I'm still moving? It was like that type. And so we're like the first gas station we see, we have to pull over. So we did and we pulled over. And we pulled into this gas station. The first thing that I noticed is that there is tons of people there. It's like carnival, and it's like 3 in the morning, and we're the only car that's there. I'm like, why are you hanging out at a gas station without a car? Like, there's something weird about that. And so I just, like, got out the car, and I was the one who was going to pump the gas. And I was like, all right, girls. I was, I was with two other girls. And I was like, all right, girls, why don't you guys just hang around with me while I'm pumping the gas, you know? It's kind of like a weird, you know, when you walk into a situation, you're like, something's not right here. I don't know exactly what it is, but I just need to be aware of my situation. And so they were standing around me while I was pumping gas. And, and so a little brief description about my two friends. I love them dearly. Um, they're so nice, and they're so giving, and their hearts are huge. Um, so all that to put into perspective, there's this guy who approaches us, like, seconds after we get out the car three girls alone three o'clock at night a whole bunch of people in the parking lot and we're the only car so this guy approaches us and he's like he starts telling my friend this big long story about like how he's homeless and all he needs is food and if we could only give him some money for food and she was like oh yeah definitely definitely I went to bible college so I love like I said I love these girls dearly her heart is so huge and so giving but she was like taking out her purse, opening up her wallet in front of this guy. And I see this happening. And I'm from New Orleans. I mean, I, I know <laughs> how to handle situations like that. And the, the first thing that I think of is not opening up my wallet in front of the man and, like, mm. being like, yeah, sure, take whatever you need, you know. So I grab her wallet, and I throw it into the car, and I lock the car. And I was like, I'm sorry, what did you say you needed? And he starts giving me this big, long story. And I was like, well, there's a gas station right there. We can go buy you something out of the gas station. Like, I can buy you, like, a hot. Sometimes they have hot dogs and stuff like that. And he was like, oh, man, everybody buys me stuff out of that gas station. Like, I'm sick of it and all this stuff. And I was like, sorry, dude, that's all. (laughs) You want some chips? I mean, we could switch it up a little bit. You could have some candy. I'm like, but that's all we're going to give you. And he was like, man, I'm hungry, family, people, blah, blah, all this long story and stuff like that. And so he starts going on and on about like some hotel room, why he needed a hotel room. And, and he was like facing me and started telling me like, this hotel room is $23. So I need $23 and like, I need like cash. And so she was like, well, let me get my car out, my purse out of the car and I can give it to you. And I'm like, calm down. (laughs) And then so I'm facing the sign. And I was like, well, did you go to like the Hilton? I mean, not the Hilton, like the Hampton Inn or whatever. Because I'm facing, you know, on those signs, they say like $24 a night or whatever. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, and how much was that room? And he said, whatever was wrong, like it was on the sign I'm looking at. And I was like, okay, yeah, we won't be giving you anything. But if you want some chips, we can give you some chips. And so Stephanie, my friend, looks at me and she was like, I thought you were going to be a missionary. (laughs) She's like, how can you stand here and not give this man anything like his family, his children, blah, 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 hotel room and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, sir, we'll, we'll come back to you later or whatever. She's like, well, can we at least go through a drive-thru and bring him back some food? And I was like, okay, okay, we'll do that. And so we're still, the three of us are still standing around there. I finished pumping the gas. The guy kind of walks over. And I was like, we'll bring it back to you. Like, 
you can't come with us, <laughs> but we'll bring it back to you. And so he, like, walks away or whatever, but still is, like, standing a little further away just watching us. And so is everybody else in the parking lot watching us. And so then we walk inside, and I was, like, getting, like, mother hen type because the situation is so weird to me. And so I was like, okay, you go in the bathroom, and we're going to stand out here by the bathroom door, and we're going to wait for you. And, like, then we're going to take turns. And so while she was in the bathroom, this guy approaches me. He's like huge scruffy like like looks like he could go like that and just kill me like (laughs) big intense guy and comes up to me and he was like why are you here and I was like really defensive (laughs) in the mode of like I feel like I have to protect these girls and I was like why are you here I'm here to get gas (laughs) and he was like no really why are you here and I was like I'm getting gas really and he was like He's like, let me tell you something. This is not a safe place for you to be. And I was like, that's okay. We're leaving. Like, we already paid for the gas. I'm going to get out of here. And he was like, no. And he starts getting closer to me. And I, like, am grabbing for things on the shelf. Like, I'm like, I, I don't know how. I doubt I can take this guy, but I should at least try, right? <laughs> and so he gets closer to me, and he's like, look, let me tell you something. He's like, I'm a bounty hunter, and you're throwing my game off. And I was like, whoa, that's not something I want to do. (laughs) And he was like, I have names and pictures of people who are here now who are rapists and murderers and your primary, like, target right now, you and your friends. And he was like, I don't know why you're here. I don't know where you came from, but you need to get in your car and you need to leave. And so I'm like, sounds like a good suggestion. (laughs) So as soon as my friend comes out of the bathroom, the other girl who was with me was like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom too. I was like, no, you're going to hold it and we're going to leave. And so we get back in the car and I didn't have time to explain to my other friend like what happened and how I met my first bounty hunter and all that stuff. (laughs) And so we get back in the car and she's like, oh, okay, so what drive-thru are we going through? And I just look at her and I was like, your friend is probably not homeless. And I drive off and she's like waving at the guy like, we'll be back, we'll be back. And I was like, roll up your window. We're not coming back here. And so as we drove off, I explained to her. I was like, when you're in a situation like that, you need to really be careful because when people are hanging out in gas stations, not with cars, you know, you know, you need to be careful about it. And so I explained to her, and she was like, my gosh, I had no idea. And she was still like, but can we still get this guy some food from the drive-thru? I was like, no, he's fine. <laughs> So that was, wow. my, that was my story. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for sharing. Give Laura a round, a round of applause there. You know, sometimes you, are put, you, you put yourselves in situations and you don't even realize it. But many times the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you very clearly, whether it be through some bounty hunter or whether it just be through you in the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit speaks, you better listen very clearly because sometimes it may not be as in your face as a bounty hunter sometimes it may just be something's not right here you need to get out of this situation we've probably all been in those situations right i mean you're 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 sitting there and and you just something i mean it just you get you feel something evil you feel something not right and you know my mom gets these feelings all the time something's evil around here like mom it's walmart you know it's you're just aggravated, you know, you know, a little different from that, you know, it's, and, you, and you need, to, you need to, to step back and say, all right, I don't know if this is God or not, but I'm getting out of this situation, because better safe than sorry, right, 
You need to, you need to walk away. You, and, and, and listen, now, as we're talking about this and, and consecrating our lives and, and giving our lives to God, here's what I don't want us to focus on. I do not want us to focus on defeating sin, okay? Because if you focus on defeating sin and I'm going to try to beat sin and I'm, I'm going I'm to make a plan of consecration and, and we're not going to be in these situations that where I'm going to be, uh, my body is going to be uh, not glorifying to God, then, then you're going to lose. You cannot beat sin. You can't. But here's the deal. If you will focus on Christ solely, completely, wholly on Him, He's going to take care of all these other things. And He will help you as you consecrate your body. And we need to listen to the Spirit of God as He speaks. Because whether we're actually in that situation or whether we haven't gone into a situation yet, but we feel God calling us not to, then we need to listen. We need to step back and say, God, all right, I am yours. And this is not the plan that you want for me right now. Now, what consecration will do is teach us. Teach us to constantly focus on Christ. And listen, we have to constantly assess and evaluate every situation. Some of those situations are easy, right? I mean, bounty hunter, gas station, rapist murderers, no problem, we're out. Let me ask you this. For those of y'all that are in school, where do you sit in class? Do you sit next to the guy who tends to cheat? Do you sit next to the guy who tends to talk all the time and you can't focus? What's going on in class? Do you sit next to the person who you've been talking to and sharing Christ with? That's great. Or do you sit next to the person that, that encourages you and builds up your relationship with Christ? These are important situations because for those of you that are students, you're in class a lot of the time. At work. Who influences you at work? Are you allowing them, these, these, these guys who are studs, we'll call them. The partiers, the guys, hey, let's go out and have a drink afterwards, hey, and then we'll go to the whatever, the bar, and this and that, you know, you let them influence you? Because it's important that you don't, but more important, it's important that you influence them. And so you need to ask this question. Am I giving my body to Christ and furthering his kingdom completely? Am I giving my body to Christ and furthering his kingdom completely? Because we can't judge upon our own standards. We have to rely on the Spirit. Even in these little things, as close as, you know, as, as little as, who do we sit next to in class? What about this one? <clears throat> what about where you spend your time? We've talked about this before. In Scripture and prayer, Maybe you spend a ton of time at the bookstore, you know. Everybody loves Barnes & Noble. I love Barnes & Noble. But, you know, Harry Potter's over, guys. Don't get involved in the next series, okay? It's make-believe. Let's focus on Christ. What about, uh, what about this? What about what you put in your body? The food? I'm guilty of that. I have a tough time. Leave keeps me on the straight and narrow, but if she's not around, boy, I'm 
sucking on a hot dog, you know, or I'm, I'm just going after something fried and yummy, but not good for me, you know. What about, what about uh, alcohol, you know? The Bible's clear that, that a drink is, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? But when you're drinking to get drunk, there's something very wrong with that because you're not allowing the spirit to be in control. What about how you use your body? Exercise, service to others, right? Your hands, your feet, your eyes. There are all kinds of ways that God is going to call us to use our bodies for His glory. But there are also things that He despises. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. It says this, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Guys, God hates it when we use our bodies for evil, but he loves it when we use our bodies to glorify him. And we, now listen, consecration is not easy, but we have to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice. You can't just follow God and not give something up. You have to give something up. More than likely, it's going to be your time. More than likely, it's going to be your strength. More than likely, it's going to be some calluses, some pain, right? If you're truly helping somebody. Um, I, uh, I was working two jobs. Well, I say two jobs. I was working at Starbucks when we first started the church a year or two after we started it. And uh, I don't even drink coffee, so uh, it was a horrible job for me. And, um, you know, these little girls were screaming at me. They're in high school, and uh, they're yelling at me because I'm not making the coffee right, and they're Choco Moco or whatever's right. You know, I don't even remember what they're called anymore, Frappuccinos. So I'm like, all right, this isn't working out for me. So I go to Whole Foods, and I'm working a full day, and I come home. It's like from 7 to 3. And I come home, and then I'm working, doing church stuff from 3 to 5, eat, take care of the kids, get them in bed. From about 8 to 11, I'm working on more church stuff. I was killing myself, killing myself. It was showing in the church, too. It was really bad. Um, and, and in this period of time, I was, I was sitting one week, and I just felt God saying, you know what, you are not doing anything for your wife. She's, she's doing all the dinner, she's doing all the dishes, she's taking care of the kids a whole lot more than you are. I mean, he wasn't talking to me about, you know, me working at Whole Foods or anything like that. He was talking about when I was present and available, but I was exhausted. And all I wanted to do was, like, take a nap. And so I took over the, uh, the dishwashing, right? And you say, well, that's not a big deal. I mean, I'm telling you, I was so tired. And I took over the dishwashing, and she was so thankful, so grateful. Well, now, you know, I don't, I don't work, and this is full-time now, um, but uh, that's expected now, right? And consecration is something to where you have to sacrifice, and then you have to sacrifice more, and then you have to give more of yourself. And, and with God, you've got to give more of your body. You've got to give yourself more to God, more to God, more to God, and 
pretty soon you're going to look back and you're going to say, this is my life. This is the life that God wants me to live. I'm working on right now trying to knock out laundry like a madman. I am going to be a house diva by the time God is done with me. I mean, I, I am, I'm sorting darks and like the mild colors, whatever y'all call those, and the whites. And, you know, I almost threw some bleach on the whites, but I was really terrified, you know, as to whether that was really permitted or not. But I'm working on it, right? And I'm trying my hardest so that I can take some stress off of my wife and I can sacrifice for her, and I can consecrate myself and my body to her. It's the same way with God. Now, here's the question. Why do we do it? Why do it? Back to Romans 12. Back to Romans 12. Why do we do this? Why consecrate to God? It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... And this isn't just his general, oh, he's so merciful to us. That's not what he's talking about. This is the specific act of mercy that God did on the cross for me and for you. This is that specific act of Jesus dying for my sin and for your sin. Turn to uh, Philippians chapter 12, verse 6. Philippians chapter 12, verse 6. Chapter 12, chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. There's no 12. Um... It describes God and how he used his body. He, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. That's Jesus. Y'all, y'all understand that? He's, he, he is God, but he doesn't, under, he, doesn't, he doesn't see God. You can't grasp it. You can't, you can't really get that. You know, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, basically being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, and not just any death, death on a cross. The worst death you could ever want to die. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He submitted himself out of heaven, took on a human form, and then sacrificed himself, his body, for me and for you. The very least we can do is dishes. The very least we can do is get off our couch and go help Nicole, who's having trouble with her house when she has trouble. The very least that we can do is step out and serve God with our bodies. Because he gave himself up for us. All for the glory of God. You know what? We don't deserve it. We so desperately need it. We don't deserve this, but we have to have it in order to be in a right relationship with God. Now, let's close with this. What are some practical steps that you can take? What are some practical steps that you can take to consecrate your body? What are some practical steps? Uh, A, Make a plan. 
make a plan. In your mind, say, I'm not going to the club anymore. <laughs> or whatever it is, wherever you go, I'm not going to hang out with this person. They're bad influence on me. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Uh, make a plan not just to not do stuff, but make a plan to say, God, I want to consecrate my body, and I want to give this to you. This part goes to you. Make a plan. Constantly, no, point B, constantly submit to the Holy Spirit. Constantly, always evaluate every situation that's in your life. Submit to the Holy Spirit. When you feel Him calling and talking to you, when you feel Him asking you, saying, you got to get out of this situation, when you feel Him saying, you need to get into this situation, you need to place yourself into this and influence this organization or these group of people or just share Christ. Point three, or C, do not give one inch or one thought to the desires that are outside of God's boundaries. You can't do it. Because if you give, what's the old saying? If you give the devil a foothold, he'll take over. You give it just a little bit. Just one inch. Just one thought of the mind, and we're going to talk about that next week. Man, it, it will start a downhill procession that you just don't want to follow. God sets guardrails in our lives for a purpose, these boundaries that are so good for us. Point D, consecration is essential for growing in your relationship with Christ. It is essential for growing in your relationship with Christ. First Peter 2, chapter 24. Peter says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Consecration is living for righteousness. And doing these things, making a plan, and these are just my own points, okay? Don't take them as scripture. You can, you can just take them for what they are. Grain of salt. By his wounds, physical wounds, bodily wounds, we have been healed. That's big time stuff, guys. Because this is a body that died for us. For me and for you. And it is not hard. It's not hard to step out of certain situations. But sometimes it is hard to step up and say, I'm ready, God. I'm ready to step across that line and consecrate my body to you. Let's pray. Father, I pray for us that we will make a commitment to consecrate ourselves. And not just in physical, sexual ways. That's not that's part of it, God. But you want everything about us. Father, every part of us, I pray that we will give to you. Help us as we walk with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.